Hello, and welcome back to the Cuse Conversations podcast. I'm John Boccasino, Senior Internal Communications Specialist at Syracuse University. When you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, to have a child, it's, it's, it's what a gift, what a blessing. And then you get an opportunity to raise one. And now, not only do you get an opportunity to raise yours, but when you're a coach, I think you get an opportunity not necessarily to raise other people's children, but you do get an opportunity to influence them. I'm a teacher by trade. The Having a profession where you can make others better and they can carry that through generations is something that excites me. So I've always wanted to be a teacher. And uh, when you tie a definition of a coach is just a teacher that teaches athletics or a very specific sport. And uh, I think that's uh, always been my calling and something I've always wanted to do. Our guest today on this Father's Day themed Cuse Conversations podcast is the head coach of the Syracuse University football team. His name is Dino Babers. You know him well. He's a charismatic, energetic leader of our football team. Dino, we appreciate you joining us on the podcast. How are you doing these days? I'm doing good, John. Thank you for inviting me. It's our pleasure. And as you can tell by the intro, we're doing a really special topic here, Father's Day. And I want to go into you and your football team. And you always preach family, uh, the value of being a family with our football team. Why is that important to you? And how do you try to embody that with our team? Well, I think the, the game of football, there's so many members. I have 104 stepsons, you know, on the football team. And there's so many members that you have to operate in a family atmosphere. And I think everybody has has a, an understanding of what family's all about, you know, and Based off of that foundation, we try to make it grow and we try to make it better. The one thing I tell these young men all the time is that these guys that you're playing football with, they may not be your brothers, but they're just like your brothers. And when you get married, some of these guys are going to be in your wedding. They may not be your best men, but they're going to be at they're going to be in your wedding party. And we need to treat it like that. It's a special, special situation. It's a special, special game football and to be around so many different individuals striving to do something together that they all want to achieve is extremely, extremely special. How did you develop that attitude towards coaching and football that it's obviously it's X's and O's you want to win on the field, but it's also about the character, the bond. Where did that attitude towards family and football come from for you? It's, it's, it's always been a part of my nature. It's just how I grew up. The teams that I've been on that were good, they were, they were close-knit. And they're different. You know what I mean? It takes a whole bunch of different personalities to to field a football team. But the underlining thing is that they're all working towards one and they're working for the betterment of their brothers. And you mentioned you've got 104 stepsons. That's a lot of responsibility with uh, with that many, you know, guys on the team you're watching over. How do you get them to all buy into that family attitude? Well, you keep throwing it out there and you make them a part of it. I mean, as the seniors and the juniors and the sophomores, they're bringing those brothers along. A family, the whole family structure is just not mom and dad. It's also the older brother and the older sister bringing the younger brothers and the younger sisters in line with what the family values are. And that's why we try to keep it to the family La Familia Ohana structure. Now, when you say the word family, family means many things to many different people. What does family mean to you? Family means to me loved ones, loved ones. And you don't get, you know, you don't get to pick your brothers and your sisters. You don't get the chance, opportunity to pick your mom and your dad, but you do get an opportunity to love those guys within the structure. 
And, uh, you know, in all families, there's a Bob, Bob, black sheep. And in all families, they're the ones that there's a person that everybody's trying to identify with and everybody's trying to emulate. But uh, that's what makes the family reunion so cool is that uh, you've got all types. You've got the white hats and the black hats in the uh, in the Western movies. And together they form a family. They, together they form a team. What was your role in your family growing up? Oh, I was middle born, middle child. Uh, the oldest always got his way and the youngest always got whatever they wanted. And I was stuck in the middle and I couldn't understand it at all. <laughs> How did you go about fighting for yours, trying to make sure that you weren't you know, left out when it came to food time and just getting what you needed? Well, I, from when it came to food, I just hung around the kitchen all the time and tried to be a mama's boy so I could eat as much as I could. <laughs> and then, but uh, in gaining uh, attention or praise from mom and dad, I mean, I came from a family of six. We were the Brady Bunches, you know, three boys, three girls, middle, middle for me. And, you know, you had to work really hard. There was a lot of games to go to, a lot of academic things to go to. And uh, if you wanted to stand out, you had to perfect. You've prided yourself. And so as a football team on having a strong relationship with IVMF and our military connected uh, students and our, our great resources here at Syracuse's campus. You have a personal tie to the military. Your father, Luther, was in the Navy for more than 20 years. How, uh, how did you first develop an affinity for the military based on your father and his service time? You know, we grew up, I grew up on, I grew up on military bases. And when my dad started to move up in rank and stuff, you know, you'd have an option of whether you wanted to live in town and live, live in the base. And it almost seems like he would alternate back and forth. He probably had a reason for it, but he's passed away. I'm not quite sure what that reason reason was, but it really makes you understand when you're growing up in the 60s and the 70s, and there's certain things that are going on on military bases that's not going on in the real world. You know, you're not having an issue with what water fountain you want to drink out of in the 60s when you're on a military base. Everybody drinks out of the same water fountain. Then you can go through the gates and go into town, and you better know exactly what water fountain you're going to drink out of. So we used to have what we called base rules and town rules. And as a young person, I'm talking about, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years of age, you had to know the difference and you had to make sure your brothers and sisters knew the difference as well. How can you describe the relationship you had with your father? I'll tell you exactly what I told, I told my football team. I said, 50% of all the good in me came from my dad and 50% of all the bad from me came from my dad. Okay. You can learn from both situations. You can learn, you can look at a situation and says, that's exactly what I want to do with, with my son or my daughter. And you can also look at a situation and go, when I get my opportunity, that's not what I'm going to do with my son and my daughter. Both are learning experiences. You need to take the positive out of both. I've read some stories about your relationship with your dad. And I did want to talk, if you don't mind, about discipline and how I hear there's a story about making your bed that really taught you a valuable life lesson. Uh, yeah. He, you know, he came in and, you know, he, he showed us, first of all, he showed us how to make a bed. And then after he showed us how to make a bed, uh, we were supposed to be able to copy that. And so we'd make the bed and what we thought was good. And then he'd come in and flip a quarter and the quarter didn't bounce twice on the bed. And if it didn't bounce twice, twice on the bed, obviously the sheets and, and, the, and, the, and the coverings weren't tight enough. And um, he came in and quarter didn't bounce. And he ripped, ripped our tail and ripped my tail. I remember me. I don't know if there was anyone else standing there. <laughs> and then he gave me a quarter. He told me to stop wasting his time, that he need, I need to test the bed before he comes in here. And I better not ever spend the quarter. 
It was hard for a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I could spend the quarter if I knew it was made exactly right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that quarter got old and dusty. I don't know what happened that quarter, but uh, that was a thing you used to test your bed on. Do uh, I'm just curious, do your, your student athletes on the football team know how to, to make their own bed with as much diligence as you had to? You know, this is what I this is what I tell the guys and I and I tell the moms and dads this as well in recruiting. I said, I've got a military background, but I don't I don't necessarily run my team that way. I want to be able to communicate. I want them to be able to come to me with issues. I don't want them to be necessarily intimidated of me. I want them to respect what I do. And I we want to take this journey together. There there's 17, 18 year old men turning into 21, 22 year old men. And there's some growth, you know. Us men, we're still maturing mentally during that stage where the where the ladies are a lot more mature than we are at those ages. But uh, we want to we want to grow all that stuff together. And it's uh, the military part of it. If you weren't raised up and then all of a sudden at 17, and 18, you get that put on them. They may not digest that well. So uh, we, we we do it a different way. But. If we can't get things done right after asking them to do it the correct way uh, in a normal period of time, then sometimes the military part bubbles up and it's there. <laughs> it's there and uh, it can it can rise to the top. But uh, we try to keep that thing su- suppressed for the most part. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the recruiting road. <clears throat> it's such a, a tough task. You're going on the road, meeting up with family members who are protective of their son, their 17, their 18-year-old son. You're trying to find student athletes that will come help your football team. What do you say to the family members, to the parents, to try to let them know that, hey, your son is in good hands when they come to Syracuse, your grandson, whoever it happens to be? I just tell them the truth. I mean, they're coming to a great academic institution, Somewhere where if they graduate, their degree is not only going to be an East Coast or West Coast, North and South degree, it'll be an international degree. The, the S in Syracuse is, is international. You know, to me, there's two S's that are international. One's west of the Mississippi and it's in Palo Alto. The other one's east of the Mississippi in Syracuse, New York. When someone's wearing those S's, not only is it good in the United States, it's good abroad as well. So the academic part is t- showing them exactly what this school can do for you academically with a private school institution and how it's going to make you better and how the alumni are going to take care of you. And you're going to take care of other alumni when you get this degree. And then the other part of it is, you know, I'm a dad, you know, I'm father of four daughters, two son-in-laws, and I'm going to, you know, I don't know if I'm, I'm I don't believe I'm perfect in any shape, form or matter, but the big thing is I'm going to, uh, treat your son the right way. I'm not a big cuss guy. I'm not going to be cussing him. I'm not going to be grabbing him. They're not my son. I'm not going to put hands on him, but I'm going to ask him to do some, some things uh, in the King's language without using profanity and derogatory things to get him to do it. And then if they do wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to tell them the truth. And I'm also going to tell their mom and dad the truth that they did wrong. And then if they, if the three of us or the three of them see it differently than I, than I do, then we can talk about it. Accountability is a valuable skill that you're teaching. And I also feel like they're entrusting you to take these young men and help them develop down the road to being a man. And with football, of course, a vital component of that transformation. What was your football story? How did your dad get you into football? He wouldn't let me play. My dad was a semi-pro player. He played in, in the back in the 60s, the, the Navy Army, Air Force, Marines, they had football teams on bases. So even though they were in the military, uh, their sidekick was they actually had football team. 
And uh, I used to go to the games and hold the chains and watch my dad play. And I would watch him play and then I'd come back and I'd want to, you know, join Pop Warner and all that other kind of stuff. My dad was like, no, I'm not going to pay money for you to go join some team. And so I constantly kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. I was never allowed to play organized football. And then um, the eighth grade came and he said, okay, you're, uh, you know, you're, in California, really two years from high school. But uh, he said, okay, it's the eighth grade. I'm going to sign you up and you can go play football. And I signed up and um, all the other kids have been playing, I don't know, five, six, seven years. So they all had their positions. And I was the new kid that uh, had never played before. So they put me at center. So I played center. I was left-handed center, which you know anything about football, you really don't want a left-handed center. It's like having a left-handed catcher. It's really not productive unless you have a you know left-handed quarterback. So uh, I played center and played on a losing football team. And then ninth grade, we turned around and he, and he signed me up again. And the coaches changed. So that the coaches changed. It was kind of a thing where the coaches stayed with their kids all the way up to a certain point. And so when it came to ninth grade, it was a brand new set of coaches. And I went from playing center the, the year before to playing quarterback. And we won a championship and didn't lose a game with the exact same personnel. And that's, that's when I realized that, you know, coaching matters. Okay. And you have to be unbiased. One of the things I'm always big with our coaches is everybody has an opportunity to start. Everybody has an opportunity to play. And just because a guy started one year doesn't mean he starts the next year. Every year is a, is a clean slate. Every year is something different. And you have to give the players an opportunity to develop past where they were uh, before. you got to give them an opportunity for growth, and you have to see that growth if you're going to be an evaluator of a talent. People, if they look at your resume, you know, you were a decorated college player. You know, you had a lot of accolades to your success, and you've had a lot of success in the coaching game, but you came from very humble beginnings. And that proves that with hard work, with determination and putting in the effort, anything can be achieved. And I think that's what we love about our Syracuse football team. We root for Syracuse because your student athletes embody those values. It's great to hear the message you're trying to teach in these young men and their lives. You mentioned being a father. You do have four girls and uh, no, you're a proud father. We have Brianna, Tasha, Jasmine, and Paris. What has it been like being a father? How did that change your life? You know, uh, it's, to have something greater than yourself. You know, I talk about, there's a spiritual side to me that we're not allowed to talk about because of political things and being representative of universities and stuff like that. But when you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, to have a child, it's, it's, it's what a gift, what a blessing. And then you get an opportunity to raise one. And now not only do you get an opportunity to raise yours, but when you're a coach, I think you get an opportunity not necessarily to raise other people's children, but you do get an opportunity to influence them, okay, either positively or negatively. And I think the, the uh, I'm a teacher by trade, the having a profession where you can make others better and they can carry that through generations is something that excites me. So I've always wanted to be a teacher. And uh, when you tie a, 
a definition of a coach is just a teacher that teaches athletics or a very specific sport. And uh, I think that's uh, always been my calling and something I've always wanted to do. Can you take us back to the, when you became a father for the first time, what was, what was that like for you? You know, it was, uh, it was unique. It was special. It was different. You know, <laughs> my Brianna, I call her, she's my oldest and first born of the uh, Babers clan. And that's, I say that a lot to her and she just, that's the way it is. And she was number one and she had to teach number two, how to mom likes this dad likes this. You, you need to understand. And then I don't know, one and two had to teach three and one, two and three had to teach four, but four, man, she was a, she was a handful. Those youngers, <laughs> they always think they're special. And they'll tell you that, even though you're not treating them special. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, and, and every child has it differently. I mean, I, you know, I was the firstborn. I had it a lot harder on myself than my, my, my younger brother did. And you being a middle child, you know, you had it differently than the first or the last born, but it's such a blessing. And, and you can hear it in your voice, Dino, just how proud you are of your daughters. And I'm sure they're very proud of you. Do you know, how they might be celebrating you this Father's Day? Oh, they're uh, they're all coming back. Everybody's coming back. Uh, we had our first two grandsons uh, happen in the last three months here, so they're having a a reunion at my house. So they're and they were nice enough and kind enough to invite me to <laughs> Father's Day <laughs> extravaganza at my house. So uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm glad they still like me enough to include me in those things. Well, Dino, before I let you go, it's hard to believe, but we're less than three months away from the start of the football season. Louisville coming to the Loud House on September 3rd. What makes you so excited about this team coming up this year? I'm excited about where we could go with this. This is this is the toughest schedule we've ever had, and uh, that's awesome. We wouldn't have it any other way. But uh, I really think this team's come together. I'm excited about the new coaches, You know, our new special teams coach, our new quarterback coach, our new offensive coordinator, tight end coach. And I'm excited about the new attitude. I really think the culture is good. I really think the young men have bought in and, and they're really, they're, they're ready to uh, do something different. Five and seven last year was, you know, it's almost okay. But I think they're, uh, they're, they're ready to uh, you know, do something different and see if they can't surprise some people. You have a lot of great opportunities, a lot of great home games to go out and cheer on the orange this fall. And again, the JMA wireless dome, Dino, you have been a treat to have on the podcast. I really appreciate you making the time. Happy father's day and uh, enjoy yourself on the recruiting road. John, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I I wish I could do stuff like this all the time, but uh, I am busy, but happy (laughs) father's day back at you as well. Thanks for checking out the latest installment of the Cuse Conversations podcast. My name is John Boccasino signing off for the Cuse Conversations podcast. Yeah.